0: In this edition of the Hoopsology Podcast, Justin welcomes the radio voice of the Chicago Bulls, Chuck Sworsky. Justin chats with Chuck about his favorite Chicago Bulls memories, his journey into broadcasting, why Joe Kim Noah is one of his favorite Bulls ever, and his thoughts on the Chicago Bulls season so far. Please email your questions to hoopsologypod at gmail.com. Follow us on all social media platforms for our latest content and subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're a proud member of Underdog Podcast. And now, Chuck Sworsky. Thanks for joining me, really appreciate it. And a lot of our guests, we like to ask, um, what is their favorite or first basketball memory? Because our podcast is not only about discovering the NBA and the WNBA, but celebrating basketball culture as a whole. So what made you fall in love with the game of basketball?
1: Well, my mom was a school teacher and the elementary school where I attended um, was next door to my mom's school um she didn't want to teach at the same school when i was a kid so i kind of get that so i would uh walk over to her school um and i'd be dropped off sometimes and uh their school would be practicing basketball i was just a little boy like really just a kid 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 and she found out that i loved to sit in the stands watching practice. And we're talking about like, you know, maybe um, high school kids practicing. My mom was first a high school teacher, then an elementary school teacher. And so, you know, when you're five years old, six years old, you think high school players are like the end of all in, you know, they're, they're like they're NBA players. You know, you've never seen people that tall, even in high school. And so I would just sit there and I was mesmerized by the court, by people bouncing balls, by them able to shoot through this net, you know, and then they would pick me up like a little Nerf ball and, you know, let me hold the ball and put it in. You know, I was afraid of looking down because of the height, you know, but so that's my first memory of basketball.
0: So, what started your broadcast journey into becoming, um, just a radio play by play announcer. That's something for myself. Um, I've always wanted to do, um, like my career took a different path, but for yourself, can you just kind of lay out what your journey was like for this aspiring broadcasters?
1: Well, um, again, you know when it comes back to my childhood. This is something that I wanted to do from really as a little boy and, um, You know, I broke my mom's broomstick and hung it up like a microphone as a kid and uh, just started doing a lot of um, broadcasting off a TV, Turned the sound down. I'd watch a game, pretend that, you know, I was at the uh, arena or venue or ballpark and I just fell in love with it. And then when I was in the um, sixth grade, um, I walked into our neighborhood radio station and said I wanted a job. And the receptionist said, well, well, you may be a little too young for that, but the sports director was great. And he had me keep stats for him during the high school game of the week. And uh, one day I was 14 years old and I'm sitting, it was the game of the week. It was a high school basketball game of the week. And um, all of a sudden, Sports director, his name was Bill O'Mara, and he goes, now with the halftime stats, here's Charlie Swirsky. And I, like, froze and paused, and, he, you know, here I am with my little stats, so to speak, and I started naming names and how many points and rebounds, and that was, that was the start of it.
0: So... You have a long career with the Chicago Bulls. I am a huge Bulls fan. This experience, a lot of yourself calling these great memories. What makes the Chicago Bulls, just the franchise, the fan base, different than other teams within the NBA? I think it's just, I don't know, I, I don't know if I could put it into words, just the, the bond I have with the Bulls in terms of not only just the players, but just yourself, the announcers, just the environment itself. And I've never even been to a Bulls game in person. So yeah, from afar, but still, I feel yeah. that connection to the team. So how is that um, bond for your opinion created compared to other franchises within the NBA?
1: Well, here's the story. I think that number one, Chicago is the best sports city on the planet. So we know that yeah. that helps. I think uh, the generations of the 70s And you're too young to remember this, but the 70s brought Norm Van Leer, Jerry Sloan, Tom Borwinkle, Bob Love, Chet Walker, some really, really good players who got after it every night. Tough defense, everything. They would like leap like, you know, we see these highlights all the time of Dennis Rodman leaping in the air like Superman to go for a loose ball. Well, that's what the 70s edition of the Bulls was all about. And then, you know, we the, the franchise kind of hit a lull, early 80s. They had Artis Gilmore, Reggie Theus, two really gifted players, but they didn't really do much uh, as a team. And then the Jordan arrival. And Jordan really put this franchise on the map. And with Pippen, and then all of a sudden the cast, you know, became galvanized into a championship club and jerry Krause, jerry Reinsdorf deserve a ton of credit for building a team around jordan you know there are a lot of clubs that have really good players franchise players but the front office doesn't know how to build around them for whatever reason and so uh jerry Krause, who's in the hall of fame and should have been in the hall of fame a lot earlier deserves a lot of credit but the brand itself with the jordan and to this day people who are in their early 20s mid-20s never saw jordan play live as a bull their only connection is the tape you know the film the video you know and then they go wow you know so this generation just like when the jordan generation you know, they really never saw the real Julius serving play. Yeah. They never saw Oscar Robertson play. They never really had a chance to look at the wonderful history of the bigs. Wilt Chamberlain, Bill Russell, Oscar Robertson, Elgin Baylor, Jerry West, on and on. So everything is generational. But the Bulls brand has not only uh, sustained the test of time, um, but also, you know, whether it was with Derrick Rose, whether it was Joaquin Noah, Luel Dang, that group, that I think a lot of fans just kind of gravitated to the Bulls. And then you have the logo. If you see the logo, you know, you look at that logo and you see the horns and you see those menacing eyes and, you know, that those distinct colors of red, white, and black. I mean, it's just a perfect logo. And the great thing about that logo, the bulls have really never changed that logo. They haven't made it a happy bull. They haven't made it a, a you know, a cartoon character. It's a bull. And so there you go. That That's probably a long-winded answer, but there you go.
0: That's an excellent point because just even the jerseys, just the look compared to other teams, the, the Bulls have always remained traditional. And I think that's maintained their brand for, for many of years for just generations as well. Um, that's yeah. an excellent point. Um, you mentioned one of your favorite players were Joe Kim Noah. Um, yes. Can you share any stories of like if him or just other um, Chicago Bulls in terms of just you calling some of their games or just memorable moments over the years that comes to mind?
1: Well, one thing about Joe, I love Joe's heart. I love his heart for people. I mean, he has got to be one of the greatest human beings I've ever met. And I mean that sincerely. I'm just not blowing smoke. I mean, he is a wonderful person. And I've seen him in different um, community-related venues um, where he has just opened his heart where a lot of times you get there and they want to know when they're leaving before they get there. If you understand what I mean. Yeah. And he gets there and he's all in like he is all in. And I appreciate him so much. I mean, on the court, I think it speaks for itself. I mean, like he grew, he matured, he got better, you know, the Tibbs factor where he just pushed him and pushed him and pushed him and and You one thing about Tibbs, he will keep pushing, and some players can handle it, some players can't. But one thing about Tibbs, he always has the best interests of a player at heart. And Joe bought in. I mean, he was defensive player of the year. I mean, how many players throughout the history of the NBA? Yeah, that's a small, small fraternity. And defense is hard to play in the NBA. There's so many great offensively skilled players that have passed through the NBA doorway. And here you get Joakim Noah, who was Defensive Player of the Year. And I dare say, had his body not given out on him, he would have probably won another one.
0: Yeah, no, totally agree. This loss of heart, he's, he's one of those players, it's cliche to say, but you hate it when he's on the other team, but you love it when he's on yours. So just, it was a, just a pleasure watching him. Um, yeah. Going back to your broadcasting career, I'm always a nerd about about just the intricacies of just broadcasting a game. And can you just take us through kind of your process? Like when you get to the arena when you when you're doing your research when you're interviewing maybe the opposing players the team what is that process like for you and how has that evolved from when you first started your career to now have you taken any cues in terms of technology or has your process remained the same over the years
1: well i mean you know the preparation is vital um so i mean i i watch the three previous games three to five previous games of the bulls upcoming opponent so like denver Mm I I've I've seen Denver's last three games. I saw their last game last night when they hosted Toronto. So I get a feel about sub patterns, what plays they're running, where they like to take shots. And, um, and I, I just love the work. I love putting in the work for prep and, um, you know, I may only use 7% of all my notes, but that's okay. Yeah, I'd rather go into an arena with a a boat full of notes than not prepared. Because if you're not prepared, you're prepared to fail.
0: No, totally makes sense. Do you have any... Uh, memories that come to mind that could which challenging in terms of maybe unexpected occurrences that happened during your broadcast that you might have to adapt or overcome or just any kind of um, games that, you know, you weren't expecting to have any kind of like technical issues that you had to, you know,
1: Absolutely. We were in Mexico city a few years ago and we're playing Orlando and, you know, the NBA wants to put their toe in the water regarding, the market in Mexico city. Um, And I think it's, I don't know if it's going to happen in the near future, but in your generation, I think I could see Mexico city with an NBA franchise. So the NBA said, you know, every year there's a regular season game in Mexico city, bulls magic. We're into the broadcast lines go down like the whole table shut down you know the power was probably just too much for the grid at the arena and our engineer rich wyatt was fabulous and he said here these are two cell phones go for it and i believe it's actually one cell phone where i was doing the play-by-play and giving it to bill but had rich not had the poise and the presence and professionalism of handling this. Uh, and he was awesome. He, he didn't get flustered. He didn't go crazy. I would have been like, Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Rich says, I got this. Everything's fine. Here's the phone. We're doing this. I'm going to start working on finding out why and how we can get back on the air. That's a true story.
0: Wow. I think it just shows just your professionalism and just the ability just to handle anything can happen. I mean, it's technology, things can just fail or things can just, you know, go awry. I think it's important just for everybody to have that ability just to adapt. And I think um, that's very uh, reflective of your guys' work. Um, One last question for you, just with the Bulls. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask this. Um, This current season, um, the Bulls have had some memorable moments, but yet they're not where I think we want them to be. Uh, What do you make of the Chicago Bulls season so far and your impressions overall?
1: Well, I think it's been disappointing. I mean, I can't sugarcoat it. I was expecting better. Um... You know, for one reason or another, it just hasn't clicked. Um, now, we've got a little less than 20 games to go. And within sight is still the, the play-in spot. Um, you know, there's got to be more consistency. I think that's probably uh, the word of the uh, season is the inconsistency of the Chicago Bulls, where they'll go through stretches. They look great. And then they'll hit not only a hiccup, they'll hit a manhole and go right down, you know, for a couple of games. So now, you know, I still think they're capable of catching Washington or Toronto for a play-in spot. But, uh, you know, you can't, you know, with, you know, just 17, 18 games left, yeah. you can't have a three or four game losing streak. The yeah. The thing that's bailed out the Bulls and probably you could say this for Toronto or Washington is that they're struggling too. Yeah. You know, they're very similar. Toronto will play well for a week. And you think, I don't think I want to play that club in the playoffs because they're starting to come together. And then all of a sudden, you know, they'll have a couple of losses and you try and shake your head. Same thing with Washington. Washington has been hot and cold all year. I mean, you know, they've had the issues with Beals injury and whatnot, but so I'm looking at the standings and I'm thinking, why not? Why can't the Bulls, you know, sneak in and let's see what happens in a play in tournament and in the play in tournament, you're either going to finish seventh or eighth and you get in the playoffs and who knows what happens then, but let's just get there first.
0: No, totally agree. And our record against the top teams, you know, in the Eastern Conference is pretty solid. So... It's just weird that, that this, just a position in terms of, you know, against t- really talented teams, they they perform well, but the, the wins that, you know, we assume that they're going to get, they don't. So you're right, it has been disappointing. But, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful too. I'm hopeful that he could reach the play-in tournament as well. Um, Chuck, this has been a fantastic chat. Um, please let our viewers and listeners know where they can find him on social media and where they can find your other work as well and any other projects um, you want to let our viewers and listeners know about.
1: Sure. Thank you for doing this. I appreciate it. And thank you for the interview. Um, well, you can uh, find me on social media on uh, Twitter at CTS Bulls, at CTS Bulls. You can find me on Facebook, Chuck Swirsky, pretty simple. Um, Instagram, you can find me on Swirsk underscore, that's S W I R S K underscore, Bulls. And you can find my book, Always a Pleasure. At uh, Chuck SworskyTheBook.com, ChuckSworskyTheBook.com. Proceeds go to uh, uh, Chicago Bulls charities to help children, families in need in the uh, Chicagoland area.
0: Fantastic, Chuck. This has been amazing. Thank you very much for your time. Truly appreciate it. Thank you.
1: Thank you.